selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Good afternoon. There are 49 days until the November 2022 midterm elections. That's seven weeks until until Brian, the election that is going to decide whether or not Americans want America to remain some semblance of a democracy. Uh, Yes, thank you so much. I'm so sick of saying this. Hi, Dean. But there's so much going on. I'm not entirely sure where to start. But there are two actually good news things I want to start with. One's going to have to wait um, for reasons that will become obvious. And the other one uh, is that yesterday, uh, after... Oh, there... Hello, Dahlia. Uh, I was just saying before we start and get into the kind of horrors that unfold, uh, there are a couple of uh, good things that um, I wanted to to mention. And one is that thanks in large part to the unceasing work of Rabia Chowdhury, Anand Sayed, what, sorry, Anand Sayed was released after, wow, 23 years of injustice. Um, and uh, his his conviction was vacated. And we can only hope that the prosecutors will spend the same kind of effort in what seems like a railroading of an innocent man to finding justice for Hey, Minley, um, you know, that's that's what needs to happen next. Uh, so congratulations to everybody on Anand's 
uh, team and especially again to Rabia. I mean, what that I guess that's that's the kind of tenacity it takes sometimes in America to get justice. So the fact that uh, so many people never gave up is a testament one to them and also to the steep climb sometimes in this country against getting justice. Uh, and on the other hand, <laughs> the, how easy it is for other people to escape it. But we'll get there in a second. Uh, the other good news is that today is the day. The phenomenal book, Lady Justice, written by our friend and fellow nerd adventure, Dahlia Lithwick, is out in the world Happy publication day. I hope that's, well, actually, I hope it's not champagne because it looks orange and that would be disturbing. And it's only 12 o'clock, but it's publication day. So if you want champagne, go for it. Congratulations. How is it going? Yeah, I mean, we should do a chapter on Rabia, right? Like another, yes. Um, yes. you know, to the extent that this is a book about dogged women lawyers who just your never, book ever could. Gave up could be have as many volumes as the encyclopedia britannica for those of you young ones out there we used to have these things called encyclopedias uh and they were many many volumes that covered you know the the knowledge of uh the all of humankind um so yeah you're right i i mean i must have been it must have been difficult to to choose your subjects i i mean it was uh... It was not possible, and my original list was winnowed and winnowed and winnowed. And I, in the end, I was very clear, Mary, in the introduction to the book, that every one of these ladies is an avatar for 10 right. other and a 1,000 other. And right. there, there was no way to limit it. I think I just wanted to tell stories and to find enough different kinds of character that anybody who read it could themselves in um, one of these women, but by all means, I think, uh, you know, there could be, there could be tens and thousands of other subjects. It was more just to lift up the idea that we sometimes feel hopeless, <laughs> particularly on this show, in this collective, uh, but that, uh, you know, I've said it many times and I'll say it again. I don't think the law is broken. I think there are lawless people who are manipulating the law. And so I just wanted to lift up the idea that the force of the law in the hands of good people uh, is not something we should despair about yet. And listen, you're hearing this from the show's resident cynic, lifting up. <laughs> no, it is it is an incredibly hopeful book, and um, everybody. I'm not kidding. It's it's phenomenal. It's not that this should surprise us because it's Dahlia. It's extraordinarily well written. It's uh, the the narratives are compelling, and uh, you know, Dal I get the opportunity to talk to Dahlia about it for a whole hour tomorrow. So I'm very excited about that. But, um, you know, we don't have time for a deep dive today, but I did I did want everybody watching to know, uh, if you don't already, that it's 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 out there on sale and it is, it, you will be uh, rewarded uh, for um, reading it. it. It is quite compelling and timely. Uh, 
And, you know, and you can't say that about all a lot of books that that have to do with I mean, I know it doesn't just have to do with recent history kind of uh, in in terms of its intention. But, you know, obviously you're focusing on um, events that have occurred recently, but it, there is a much broader story there and uh, it is well worth everybody's time. And now we're, we're joined by, a, I guess, reporter on the street, reporter at large. She looks like she's being chased by paparazzi. Or I know. Well, hey, it's, she's in New York. You never know. Um, so, Jen, just to catch you up, I was uh, we're celebrating the fact that uh, Dahlia's book is out today and also celebrating the fact that Adnan Sayad, thanks in large part to Rabia Chowdhury, is, is a free man um, for the first time, I think, since 1999, which is... You know, we should we should both celebrate, and it should also send a chill down our spine. So, and that's a fascinating angle. Anyway, I'm guessing that Jen hasn't landed where she wants to go. <laughs> it's a nice I'm, travelogue shot, though. It is a very lovely travelogue shot. It's who's it's, the camera person? I, yeah, we need to talk. She hired a camera person. <laughs> you know what? This is what it feels like, Brian. Just so you know. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I think you need some uh, selfie tips from George Hahn. <laughs> I was just trying to put my my AirPods in my ears, and that required me to you know to do that one handed. So I apologize. We always come prepared. It sounded like you said AirPods, and I'm like, me and Brian are here for the AirPods. <laughs> she said AirPods. <laughs> I look forward to having Dahlia on my show. Can I just say, we're talking to her people. Dahlia, we're begging your people <laughs> to get you on my show. We literally emailed again today going, what's up? What does Dean have to do to get Dahlia on the show? So we, seriously, we're going to hopefully next week or the week after have you on. Dahlia is in very, very high demand. And although, I mean, I personally think that just a shout out by the Nerd Avengers is really, um, what else could you hope for? Some it moves books. Next. I mean, people should somebody, come on to the show to sell a book whenever um, they have one. Somebody tweeted really about it. Off. Who was it? Somebody tweeted a picture of the book. Who? Oh, God. What's her name? Hillary fucking Clinton. Wow. wow. Everybody wow. on Twitter. Wow. That Dean, Lady Justice Dean, is a must Hillary read. Clinton, you would so, be getting a response right now. Dean, wait in line. I don't even know how I got so lucky. So it had something to do with a cash transfer, perhaps. Wait, wait, wait. Did I hear that correctly, Dahlia? Hillary fucking Clinton? Yeah, not about your book while I was on the subway and I missed it? Uh, She did, and it's amazing. But I want to make one serious point, um, if I may, um, and the paparazzi can chase Jen down. One of the things that I keep, like, struggling with on this show in all our conversations, especially when, you know, Danielle reminds us how crap the legal architecture is and that it was designed to be crap and it continues to be crap. And one of the things that's super interesting in the book is watching some of the different women sort of struggling with how the law has been used to oppress and break women for centuries. And that like so much of Justice Alito's opinion in Dobbs is like comes from that place of great contempt for women and their power and their autonomy. And I just like, it's so interesting because so many of these conversations we've been having this spring and this summer um, pop up 
with these women who all are sort of like, of course the law is a tool of our oppression. It sucks. <laughs> like, I hate it, but this is what we have. And it's just, it, I'm so mindful of how many times we kind of go round and round on that question of this is a horrible, horrible mechanism for doing justice and equality and dignity. And the second best alternative is like fighting it out in the streets. Well, Dahlia, I just want to tell you one of my, one of the people that inspired me most when I was young was my grandmother, who was a lawyer and one of the first women to plead a case before the U.S. Supreme Court. And one of the things that she, one of the things that her son reminded us of in a family meeting one time was that when she was getting ready to appear before the Supreme Court, her biggest concern was having the proper hat to wear to impress the Supreme Court justices. And her husband, who was also a lawyer, said, aren't you worried about the legal arguments? She goes, I can run circles around them. They're men. I have to have the right hat to be heard. (laughs) So it hasn't changed much over the years. No. (laughs) No. And, well, and well, about- but it, sorry, but it has, and 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 this is one of the things that Dahlia yes. writes about that that does help us recognize that there has been an evolution. You know, there what is it? A half of uh, law students are women, half of lawyers are women. It's still at the upper echelons that there's a huge disparity, but gains have been made, and ultimately, because representation matters, that hopefully will will uh, shift. Um, the swing of the pendulum, but sorry, Dean, go ahead. I was just going to say, though, as we talk about the good, there's still the reality of what happened last week. Indiana and West Virginia both implemented laws banning abortion at conception, at day one at conception. If you're a woman in West Virginia or Indiana, your uterus becomes property of the state. And in West Virginia, the rape exception, if you want to call it that, eight-week window, and you have to file a police report 48 hours at the latest before you get your abortion or you can't do it and nothing there in the law about what if the guy goes, no, I didn't rape her. It was consensual. You're not going to have the abortion. And so as we go forward, the law is being used right now, Dahlia, as Dahlia knows, to oppress women even more extreme than anything we've seen in the last 50 years because of Roe v. Wade. So just, I'm, I'm not a downer. I'm just, I'm actually an optimistic guy, but I'm saying the reality is look at this pendulum. Look at the, look how it comes back around. The fight never ends. The struggle never ends. The arc of justice might the arc might be long and bend towards justice, but they're bending it the other way right now. So yeah, and, and listen, it's it's not an arc; it's a friggin' EKG of a cardiac patient. I mean, right. you know, it's not bending; it's it's yeah, doing all one that's on life support. Yeah, or arresting, you know. So, um, but listen, this this show is never about bringing people down. It's about understanding that we need to. St- stare squarely in the face of what's happening uh, because, you know, deluding ourselves that things aren't that bad just means it, it just sets us up for failure. Uh, so we need to be very clear. And Dean, you're right. Uh, it's, it's one of the troubling, I guess, innovations, if you want to call it that. And it's not new, obviously. Of course, this goes back to Jim Crow. But the extent to which... It's not just that the laws are are draconian. It's that they are injecting this level of vigilantism uh, to skirt around 
uh, those places where the extremism of the laws won't necessarily hold. Say, well, hey, it's not it's it's not the government. It's these private citizens who are well within their rights to turn in the Uber driver who brought somebody to a Planned Parenthood. What am I kidding? There are no Planned Parenthoods left in Texas. But you know what I'm saying? It's it's that extra level of cruelty, uh, deliberate uh, cruelty that empowers all the wrong people. And that's, of course, as we know, also part of the system. It doesn't um, make logical sense what they propose. The bottom line is if you're going to force people to have babies, guess what? The rich will always find a way out of it. The poor will be uh, in, imbued in poverty forever and be forced to have children that uh, otherwise they should not or could not or chose not to. It's only this type of legislation always hurts the poorest the, the most. And the damn frickin' fundamental truth of that is, is these are the very people that the far right don't like. <laughs> they just yeah, but, into servitude. It's a, yeah, that, a absolutely. Um, although, you know, Julie Zebrak, who was on with us a few weeks ago, pointed this out and uh, that one of the uh, potential shifts here, because again, most privileged people in America only care about something if it's in their own self-interest or if it impacts, impacts them in some way. Um, if I don't care how rich you are. If you're in uh, Texas or was it was it Indiana that just passed a similarly uh, extreme? Anyway, if you're in one of those states and you have an emergency and you don't have time to get on your private jet and go somewhere else, then what doesn't matter. You you are going to be bound by the same uh, restrictions. Your medical decisions are going to be made by the hospital's attorney, not your doctor. So uh, you know this is this is where we are. Um, really, I mean, Donald Trump seems to get away with everything, and he I bet you he could roll up into a a clinic with a girlfriend and go, "Hey, take care of her," and somebody would. Uh, well, I, I'm not talking about somebody like, uh, Donald. I'm talking about some, you know, random person who has the means, but doesn't necessarily have the, uh, pull. But um, I love and, your cats in the background, Mary. They're, I see that. Yeah, they're, they're great. You're... And, and Mary, by the way, you know, in Texas, the law where they implemented a few weeks ago, where a doctor can go to jail for life. Well, if you're a rich person and that's your doctor, your doctor's gone too. It's like, right. Repu- you know, remember they like, oh, yeah. Democrats want to come between you and your doctor. Republicans want to put your doctor in jail. Okay. That's what they, and then Jim Jordan's going to be your doctor after that. And Kevin McCarthy's going to be making medical decisions after that. And that's the Lauren Bobert. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And listen, this, this is, this is the problem with not dealing with these kinds of shifts when they start insurance companies have been dictating medical care for decades, taking the power away from the doc. You know, you, your doctor is out of network or your doctor wants a, wants you to get a procedure he or she considers necessary. And the insurance company's like, nah, we're, no, we don't think that's not, this has been happening for a very long time. 
So it's just, it's getting worse, but this is what, ha it's not new. And this is what happens when we're not paying attention uh, or we just kind of accept, well, you know, of course the insurance company has the last sight. Why? Why? It, it shouldn't be this way. And, and Dahlia just flagged this article uh, on CNN <laughs> with this quite horrifying headline, four out of five pregnancy-related deaths in the United States are preventable. And between that and the fact that in states like Alabama, maternal mortality rates for women of color are insanely high. Like, I think in Alabama, they are worse than in many developing countries. So I, I ask this question to myself all the time. In what way? Well, OK, let's assume that the word exceptional means good. In what way is America <laughs> exceptional? You know, we can keep pregnant people alive long enough to give birth. Uh, you know, we we don't care for children after they're born. And that's, I guess, one of the other. And it's funny, like this wasn't necessarily going to be the, the thing we we're talking about today. But every day we hear more information coming out about how how much more they're trying to get away with. And, uh, you know, Lindsey Graham may have may have uh, shown us his hand, uh, but um, I, I don't think he's and saying any feminine hand. Well, that would be an ad hominem attack. <laughs> but I know it's Lindsey Graham, so who fucking cares? But still. Um, and those mortality rates, Mary, are three and four times uh, yes. you know, for, for women of color. So it's not even exactly just, you know, that the mortality rates are unnecessarily soaring. It's that, of course, of course, this impacts women of color, you know, multiple times uh, more heavily, particularly in those states that you're naming. And I would just say one other thing. I did a briefing last week about all the universities that now have had months to figure out what their policy is around the country in terms of abortion access in terms of birth control, in terms of emergency contraception, and an amazing study uh, in the Meteor that just was done uh, by a young woman. And almost none of the schools have a policy. Their policy is dictated by lawyers, dictated by insurers. And the policy is essentially, uh, we don't know what our policy is. But on reflection, it occurred to me that one of the purposes of this is to make sure that young women aren't really interested in going to college, right? If you know that you're going to school and that there's absolutely no mechanism by which if you are raped or if your birth control fails and you can't terminate a pregnancy because your parents can't helicopter you to New York City, why would you go to school there? And I think one of the things we haven't thought about is the ways in which all of this is being done in this like handmaid's tale, creepy funnel to send women back to places before they have opportunities. And I think it's just yeah. utter, like, there is no excuse that for every university in the country not to have a stated policy post Dobbs of how they're taking care of young women. Along with the uh, American Medical Association, I have to go make sure my house doesn't burn down because the, the doors just opened. So please continue and I will be right back. <laughs> look at, can we just look at Mary's apartment? Mary has a fireplace. That's a fireplace. That's about it's a the fire's about to leap out of the fireplace though, so I'm gonna go take care of that. Oh. Question it's like, I had, the it's question like an action show. 
head but is. I'm the turning off the camera. While you were talking, though, is I saw Jen walking on the street and then she disappeared. I, I hope she's okay. <laughs> New York City is a terrifyingly dangerous place. Especially when you're so. walking across the street with the light. But yeah, while looking at a phone. But okay, well, I'll be right back. Keep talking. Mary has to save her apartment. If this if her apartment goes into flames, this is a very special episode of the Mary Trump <laughs> show. Like this is the collector's item. It, it will be the last. It will be the well, last Mary Trump well, show. I guess maybe we shouldn't laugh so much then. But um, <laughs> but she, uh, she, 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 look, it's Danielle. Hey, yeah. Danielle Moody. Hi. Nice to see Hi. you, my friend. I haven't seen you in a while. Let me let me ask you a question, Dolly. When you talk about uh, uh, women uh, being put at uh, ill at ease with this decision and, and even more so uh, keeping them from going to college. I, I remember a very poignant story when I was, was younger, someone very close to me had to have an abortion. And there was a question at the time, even though abortion was legal and, and God knows this was in Missouri, um, there was a real, real concern about being able to stay in school now she went on to, and actually she is a lawyer now. I've known her for many years, but how how can a, a what sh steps should a university take immediately to make sure that that women are safe? I, I, it's I mean it's funny, Brian. I had a similar conversation yesterday with a friend whose grandmother died in childbirth, like on her way to a you know soaring career. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, we forget how lethal childbirth really still is, how much more dangerous uh, it is than abortion. I mean, it seems to me that in the two weeks after Dobbs, every single school should have figured out, sat down with their lawyers, figured out what the state trigger bans were, figured out what the state law was, what was coming into play, and talked to their, you know, health system and figured out what provision they were making. And not only did they not do that, but as I said, this inquiry comes back almost completely empty, where all of them say, uh, we're going to try to make sure our students are safe. I mean, that's not an answer. If your students were being hit by cars, you'd have a policy in place to treat them. You know, and they're terrified to set a policy because they depend on out-of-state tuition, right? They really right. desperately yeah. don't want to, to have students that won't uh, attend. But I think, you know, in my view, and I'm the mother of a 19-year-old and 17-year-old boy, if you're sending your kid to college in this fall and you don't have answers about are they going to be prosecuted if your sons drive their partner, uh, you know, uh, to out-of-state or to a clinic, I, I would want to know that information. These are the same universities and colleges that have for for as long as we can all remember have had, you know, rape prevalent on their campuses. Right. Like we know that young women. What is it? It is it is about I think that it's like one in five. Right. Will potentially be raped or sexually assaulted when going to university. And this is these are statistics that we have all just shrugged at. And said that, well, that's a part of going to going to college. That's a part of collegiate life. And so it's not really a shock to me that you wouldn't see universities and colleges turn around and say, these are the steps in which we are keeping people safe. Because you had, if you remember, when Betsy DeVos was secretary of education, she did a fucking apology tour around these universities and brought together young men that were wrongfully accused of sexual assault and rape and what about their lives? And then yeah. made it, made the bar that much higher to be able to prosecute 
um, to prosecute men on campus for sexual assault and violence against women. And so it makes perfect sense that then you would set up a, a mechanism where you have never made safety a priority for young women on campuses. So this would just be a continuation of what they've been doing since the beginning of time. You know, I, I asked that for a reason. And, and, you know, Mary, you had said before you went to put out the fire, you did it incredibly fast. We're all proud. I, uh, I didn't have the right fireplace tool on hand. So I did my best. My hands are a little... But the, the reason why I ask that is I recently returned from a, a country that I think if we don't change in the U.S. is is indicative of where we're going to be in 20 or 30 years. And that's in Lebanon, where there is corrupt politicians for the 10 richest people in the Middle East are, are corrupt Lebanese politicians. They don't even have oil there. And for the 10 richest people are there. But the many people live before the poverty level. Women cannot get any kind of uh, health care or services because it's a male dominated culture. There are no, there's no infrastructure. There have been, there are portions of, of Lebanon that are without water or electricity for two years. We talk about Jackson, we talk about Flint, we talk about uh, Texas. And I just see that as politicians, if fascism does creep into the United States any further, I keep looking at what we would end up like, and it scares the living crap out of me when I was in Beirut because it reminds me of where we could go. Yeah, and I, I think, Brian, there are a couple of uh, test cases that are unfolding right now, but I know, Dean, you've got to leave in a couple of minutes, so I just wanted to give you a chance to weigh in on any anything. Uh, on anything. I think when you bring these all together, the scary thing is when you tie in the oppression of women, and we talk about fascism and the election deniers and the GOP and Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott's dehumanization of Latino human beings, they're human beings. I know migrants a term you have to use, but they're human beings. This is really spell. You're seeing a GOP that has it's beyond compassion, it's beyond cruelty. It is the mindset that can lead to crimes against humanity. And I, I don't say that to scare people, but to prepare people. We're dealing. With, if you can force a woman who is raped to carry the fetus of the rapist a term, you can do anything. Even a ten-year-old. Yep. Right. Exactly. I mean, you can do anything in a bad way. If you can lie to migrants who simply are looking for a better life. My dad was a refugee, a Palestinian refugee. The idea, I think, of him, like you lie to him to get him on a plane to fly somewhere and not even alert the authorities they're coming, you could do anything. So I, I don't say this to alarm people. We are dealing with, you know, people go, like, can it happen here? We've talked about it. It's happening here. This last week, I just wrote about it for CNN. In seven days, Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, two abortion bans, Donald Trump embracing the storm of QAnon, where they're going to execute his political enemies, and that is rallied the one arm salute, an election denier elected for the Senate nomination in New Hampshire. So you've got, we've, we're dealing with something where this is our challenge of this generation. Generation before had to stand up to fascism and cross an ocean and go on a battlefield. Here, because of their sacrifice, we just have to vote on November 8th. It's only 49 days away. So my whole thing, so I have to go for pre tapes on my show, uh, is this has been such a scary week in GOP extremism and the march towards fascism. And I, I just fear that there are people who aren't paying attention. We all are. Anyone watching this, Mary, is paying attention, getting our friends who aren't to make a case to them. Forget the word fascism. This isn't normal. This is not the country you want. And we have a chance to save it. But, but I got to go. I love all of you. Love you, Dean. Thank you. Take care. You, bye, you know, bye. I want to say I want to say pick up on on something that that Dean said and 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 it was such a a wonderful way that he exited today. Um, but I, I want to pick up on the way that the media 
has continued to be complicit in the normalization of our um, of the dehumanization of people. Right. Think about the ways the headlines have been showing, you know, what Abbott and DeSantis are doing, and they've been couching it as a political stunt. They've been yes. couching it as if it as if it is just like a high school prank that is happening that these governors are doing as opposed to referring to it as human trafficking, as opposed yep. to a humanitarian crisis and cruelty. Right. This is these are not the words that are being used in the media. And so, you know, this is you know, when you talk about I hope fascism doesn't creep in, it's here. Right. Because. When you have instances that are happening like this, where people are being lied to and abused in their most desperate time, and all we're doing is saying, well, you know, this is how Abbott and DeSantis are protesting. This is not a protest. This is cruelty. This is brutalization. And, the me and this is abuse. And the media is complicit in it because they are not even giving it the type of attention Right. And using the necessary language to draw attention to what is happening. If this were happening in any other country, you would be hearing the U.N. talk about it. You would be hearing Amnesty International. Would you would be hearing places, right. It yep. would be international news. Right. Yep. And so I, I think that it isn't, you know, this is about control and body and all of these things. And Dean was right. If you can force a woman to have. Uh, a baby, if you can just pick up human beings and drop them whenever, wherever you want, the next step is just like execution, right? And in saying, well, this is my castle doctrine and I'm able to kill these people because I fear for my life or whatever it is. Like, this is how violence escalates. Can I ask a question real quick? What, what do, when 90% of what you see, read, or hear is owned by six companies and the board of directors of mm -hmm. those six companies are mostly rich white males. So there's maybe 40 or 50 people in the country determining what you see, read, or hear most of. What do you expect? Yeah. The bottom line is you got to bust up those media monopolies and diversify media ownership and make yes. sure that people of color own media and are reporting. And, and can I say one other thing? Just sorry, Mary, I know I'm mm -hmm. interrupting, but yeah. I, I think the other thing, and we have talked about this so often, that Trump rally is covered as spectacle. It's yes. covered as theater. It's Bingo. covered as this amazing, astonishing, look at them pointing and listen to the creepy music instead of being covered as like a freaking existential horror show. Yep. And, the, you know, I keep thinking, I mean, it's hilarious that we started with the fact that it's a book launch for me today. But so many people have book launches where they put kids in cages at the border. They kept secrets. They didn't say what they knew. They did not report. They took no action. And now they have what a bestseller. And it's so astonishing to me that we put the spectacle and the visceral shock and the excitement and the thrills and the spills first, because it's quite literally human rights as reality TV. I mean, what Danielle yeah. just described is it's like Hunger Games performance art. And we just watch it and we're like, hey, yeah. you know, one point for the pointers and the chanters and one point for the people who are shipping folks to Mar Martha's Vineyard as though this doesn't touch us. This doesn't yeah. say what yeah. our soul become. I, I can attest, first of all, that Dahlia Lithwick did not hold back any state secrets that damage national security. 
if she had revealed them in real time. And, you know, the other thing about that, Dahlia, is that so many of those people coming out with those books are so-called journalists. Why is there no stand? Like, why? I, I that sounds like malpractice. It sounds like something that it, a responsible employer would not allow. You know, uh, I mean, if only from a, an economic standpoint, because there's scoops that are being denied to the employer. Basically, I mean, I personally would have been interested to know, uh, in real time. All of these things we're hearing about uh, in these books or that we're hearing about from witnesses in the January 6th committee. So uh, it is it is it's that and it is the tenor of the coverage. Um, and and, you know, to Danielle's point earlier, I, I think. It is a problem of language by Brian. <laughs> and uh, I sorry, I know, Dolly, you have to leave. So I just want to quickly say that the left has it people on the left have the, a tendency to to use the same language i hear lots of people calling it a stunt they may be qualifying it and as cruel but you know what a cruel stunt is something that happens in fraternities and hazing this yes, wasn't a, a block of ice it's not the same yeah, thing this wasn't a stunt this was a calculated political move meant to endanger people because of their status. It was an, a, a deliberate political attempt to other people and increase division and, yeah, score points, but in what way? And the other thing, too, is that um, I don't recall Joe Biden's speech being covered by any of the uh Hey, that's one of the networks. biggest gripes. You are absolutely right. And we don't cover... Biden had an excellent speech. He spoke for a half hour, then stayed another half hour on the on the South Lawn, shaking hands. And only only thing we heard were excerpts where his stuttering was used to prove that he's mentally incompetent, which isn't true. He's been a stutterer for his entire life. To use yep. that in such manner <laughs> yeah. is very frustrating. And and Danielle, to your point earlier about pre and, and Mary, your point about why doesn't the media press you know, why didn't we come out sooner and ask, why are you holding secrets back? We did. The problem is that doesn't get reported because of the reasons that I spoke about earlier. And there is a real, it's frustrating to me as a reporter in that White House right now to see that we gave all this attention to Donald Trump's crap. And then yep. look, I'm not saying- Brian, that. I'm sorry. This is the second time I'm interrupting you. I'm so sorry, That's but it's right. because Dahlia has to leave. Okay. In four minutes. So so then then you'll have the floor again. But Dahlia, I did want to give you a little bit of Sorry, time no. uh, to do. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep stepping on Brian's toes. No, I'm kidding. It feels good. Um, I love it. <laughs> Dahlia, uh, any, anything you want to say um, before we send you off to uh, I have no doubt you're just going to be kicking back and relaxing for the rest of the week. No, I mean, I want to, first of all, I want to say thank you for the kind words uh, to all of you. And, and I want to, I want to just say, I'm really, I'm going to miss this part of the conversation, but I'm super fascinated by Donald Trump trying to rope-a-dope a special master, the one that he asked for, that he insisted upon having, and that he 
you know, said, once this is in place, this is a system that I can accede to only to turn around and say, oh, I can't tell you which documents I, I declassified. So I'm going to leave you with this question, which is, I know, Mary, the start of every show, which is, is the noose really closing? Like, is this in fact the beginning of the end? And I, I <laughs> no longer say, you know, this is the, the, the circling the wagons and the noose is closing and the walls are closing in like every one of those metaphors no longer um, right. persuades me. But I will say, I think this is a really interesting moment where I feel that Trump's attorneys are boxed in because they cannot perjure themselves. I don't think they're prepared to lie in front of a judge and, and live with the consequences. And so I'm not going to be here to hear your answers. But I do feel like if I were to use the word inflection point and I don't use it because I hate it, I think this might be an inflection point, but I'm sure I'm wrong. But I'm going to so. use it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to say goodbye and see you soon. And thank you all for your amazing work. And just say, really, I think um, what what both Danielle and Brian are saying today, I think is sort of my A number one thing, which is we in the media are not entertainment. We are not here to profit. We are not here to market ourselves or our brands. We are here to hold powerful people to account. And if we yep. fail to do that, we are absolutely responsible for what comes next. Thank yeah, you for absolutely. having us. Yes. Bye, Dahlia. Bye, love you. Good luck. Love you too. Bye. You know, I just saw somebody uh, on Twitter say, Donald's attorneys are finding out, much to their chagrin, that Donald doesn't control the entire federal judiciary. I mean, okay. it remains to be seen whether he does or not. But he I control himself. It, well, yeah, but you you know what I'm saying. It, it looks like um, Judge Deary may have been a, a misstep on their part. And I have to be honest with you. I am when I heard, I I don't I know nothing about this man except what we've learned in the last few days. Um, I was nervous about him simply because Donald picked him. Right. Like if Donald is picking him, there must be some nefarious reason. And somebody uh, wrote a bit about why, speculated a bit about why. And uh, Deary was in New York in the 80s at a time when Donald was allegedly working with the mob and, and doing all sorts of things that he was never shockingly held accountable for while other people around him were. And, and, you know, maybe Deary didn't uh, do some things he should have. I I'm not sure, but again, just by virtue of the fact that Donald picked him, it's like, mm. so when the DOJ agreed, I thought uh, this, this is potentially very worrisome. Those fears seem not yet to be borne out. And it does seem that Judge Deary is cutting right through it to get yeah. to the heart of the matter. And um, I, you know, we're supposed to be finding out some things today. I think there was something at noon and something at there's something at two. Uh, so, you know, I wish I wish we had that information now. But, Brian, it seems that. Um, Donald may have overstepped in this particular case. Oh, I think uh, let's let's bet. keep in the back of our mind though that uh, the execrable, whatever her name is, Cannon, so-called Judge Cannon, has has left herself the power, I think, to uh, shift gears and and get rid of Deary, um, yeah. but. Yeah. 
I'm not entirely, I, I mean, it would look so bad. Although these people don't seem to give a shit if they look bad or not. They're just, they're just going to put their heads down and brace oh, their way out. through it. But that having been said, um, it does look like a, a failed gambit on Donald's part at this point. Well, as a friend of mine in the DOJ said, she may, initially made the decision because she didn't want to make a decision. She wanted mm -hmm. to, and she wanted to make sure that at the end of the day, that Donald Trump would have no other place to go if, if you know, he's always going to gripe about it. It's a delay tactic for him. At the end of the day, most people in DOJ don't think it's going to matter. The fact that she was an appointee of Trump's and so is the special master, I, I worry less about that than I used to because when uh, we sued Donald Trump and I kept my, my press pass when he tried to remove it, uh, it went before a, a panel of three, two of judges, two of whom were appointed by Donald Trump, and they didn't find for Donald Trump. Donald Trump appointed those judges, but he wasn't the one who vetted them. Uh, he, you know, yeah. they gave him a list and they go here and he goes, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so some of them have, you know, legitimate credentials. And so I, I worry less about that. I think at the end of the day, Donald Trump is going to be indicted. I think he's going to, uh, I, I think Matt Gates is going to get indicted. I think a whole shitload of them are going to get indicted. But it's uh, the wheels of justice turn slowly while committing a crime is very, very easy to do. And in Donald's case, he's been doing it for years and tries to get away with it. But I, I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, this particular move will backfire on Donald Trump. In the meantime, though, Danielle, he is getting away with it. And this has mm -hmm. always been the concern since 2015, well, forever, but you know, for our purposes, since 2015, uh, he, and I know this is repetitive, but it bears repeating because it continue. he continues to play by the same playbook and he can, and it continues to work. We have now a situation in which, uh, in what, six years ago, he was, saying despicable things um, and people were sort of passively accepting them or uh, agreeing with them. And then he has these stupid fucking rallies uh, after the 2016 election and he's advocating for violence against people, not uh, sorry, people at the rallies who just don't happen to agree you know, they're there to maybe protest or what have you. And he's advocating for violence. And and now uh, in 2022 in America, he's having rallies in which, let's face it, these people are giving Nazi salutes. <laughs> I don't care if they're holding up a finger or not. The symbolism is obvious. The echoes are clear. So. Uh, yeah. OK, he's going to get indicted. But unless somebody puts a fucking muzzle on him. <laughs> um well I, seriously I, I, I the, the it, mental image of that alone is worth the price of admission yeah um but um, often watching him in the white house I yeah it's a muzzle let her I mean, even, a leash and leather <laughs> look i don't know if we're gonna get to lock him up but you know put a muzzle on him that works uh so you know I, it's what I always find really like the, the thing that is 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 not consistently lifted up outside of like you know our progressive bubbles is just how you know wealthy white well connected powerful men get to do whatever the hell that they want 
and right. that we have multiple levels of a justice system. It's not even two different levels of a justice system. We all know that you can't run into a theater and yell fire, right? right. We all know that like you would be held to account for any of the things that you were saying, that even if one of us on used our Twitter platform and said anything remotely that seemed as if we were insinuating that people take up arms and, you know, and, and are and and accelerate violence in any type of way, we would be hauled in. Right. And so the fact is that Donald Trump, I, I continue to say he is a national security threat. He is extraordinarily dangerous. You watch these rallies. You see these people. I don't need to be told what a fucking Nazi salute looks like. I don't need you to tell me, you know, that these are not hate rallies because what? People aren't in KKK outfits. Like the reality is, is that we know who the base is. We know who Republicans are championing. And we know that Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump were really strategic and who and how they were placing federal judges around this country. We can ask ourselves, you know, Judge Cannon should not have that job, does not have the experience to have a lifetime appointment, right? We know that she was forced in after Donald Trump lost the fucking election. So in and of itself, she is illegitimate. But we also know that Democrats are not going to take anyone to task and continue to operate with a set of rules that Republicans have long since thrown out. So we're going through all of these hoops, right, with the special master and, you know, and you have this timestamp and this timestamp for you to continue to lie to us. And we know that they're lying and we keep operating with this sense of above board, right? And like following law and order that they don't follow and or believe in. Mm-hmm. So like at the end of the day, like do I think that Donald Trump is going to be indicted and we'll see the inside of a prison cell? No. Do I think that there are some people around him that may in fact fall because they don't have the resources and the political maneuverings that he has access to? Yes, right? But Donald Trump didn't arrive at being Donald Trump because like, you know, because there weren't a whole host of people that have allowed and accepted him to be this way, right? Yeah. And do I think that the dear, the the do I think that it's going to backfire? Yes, because he said, okay, if you were saying that these documents have been declassified, just show me proof that they've been declassified. We matter. can wrap this. We can wrap this shit up. That yep. doesn't matter. That's the it whole. It also doesn't. Yeah. Those. But, yeah. But the point. But the point is. They were kept, so it doesn't matter whether they were classified. Right, or not. right. But the but the point is that even that little even that little step of saying, okay, if you're arguing this point, then show me some evidence of the point that you're arguing, and then them turn around and say, well, we can't tell you that. But Judge Cannon was the one that says, well, we should just believe him. And what right. about his reputation? Right. Every judge, regardless of whether or not they were appointed by Donald Trump. Some of them actually do give a shit about their careers, do care about their legacies, right? Do care about being seen as upstanding within the legal community. And I think that you're going to see that like that crop of people thin out who are willing to put their their reputations on the line for a criminal. Well, we're going we're going to see. And, you know, for what it's worth, which is probably nothing, I do think he's going to be indicted. Yes. But. It doesn't matter until he actually is. Okay. <laughs> and and then and then we can and then we can shift gears. But I do think he'll be indicted too, Maria. And and Daniel but he hasn't but, been. 
So, but but to your point, Danielle, I don't know that he'll ever see the inside of a prison cell. I don't think he, he will. He might have have an ankle bracelet and be you know stopped at, at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, but he, that. that's like paradise for him. So yeah, like so it's I, fucking I, different. I, His I, life I wouldn't change one in the, bit. In the DOJ that are are convinced at this point that he has. There are multiple cases where he can be indicted. I think he may face, and I do think that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and what they're pursuing now uh, is is also going to be detrimental to Donald Trump. And that's that's actually the one thing that could end up pushing because that was before he was president. That could that investigation, which Michael Cohen, they won't rely on Cohen because they don't trust his word. They say so now with Weiser, with the they're going to try and get. Um, with his uh, 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 his accountant trying to get that information, if they're successful in getting that information, I think that's the one case where Donald Trump could actually look at serious jail time. But I, again, with you, I doubt. I, I doubt it. Yeah. But I think we have we have been saying for I I don't know how long. Well, there's this case going on. There's Georgia. There's New York. There are these. Uh, not criminal. The other, the there are these civil suits. Yep. Uh, Judge Deary just uh, increased exponentially uh, the speed at which this is going. So the, the indictments are going to. Okay, fine. Again, I'm not holding my breath, but uh, what 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 we see is, and this is tangentially related, is um, are increasing examples of the ability inability of well okay the system is ex- is working as it's designed to uh so the ex- um increasing number of cases in which powerful white men um are getting away with horrible crimes we now have three sitting governors there are probably more but just mm-hmm. off the top of my head uh, Greg Abbott in Texas, mm-hmm. uh, Ron DeSantis, or Hades in Florida, and uh, Tate Reeves in Mississippi, um, who are getting away mm-hmm. with crimes against their own constituents or against people who applied for asylum legally in this country and were trafficked and kidnapped uh and just like with in terms of mississippi like there's this whole there's this horror unfolding in jackson the capital city of the state in which people still don't have potable water uh is the city government at fault well yes but what's who is ultimately responsible for some for a crisis that occurs in a state i would think it's the governor who probably, you know, misused funds. And we know this has been happening in ja- in Mississippi because Brent Favre, where the fuck he is. Brent, Brent some, Favre received some probably dollars. Yeah, some probably very rich guy already, like, was, I mean, it's the story is, like, so maddening. They paid this guy $70 million to get a fucking volleyball stadium for his daughter, which he probably could have paid for by himself. They diverted funds that were meant to help people... <laughs> You know, just to like get their uh, um, 
I'm, I'm having so much trouble. I, th- you know, sometimes my brain just gets, kind of gets short circuited with the amounts, we'll, we'll, the amounts we'll, we'll of, we'll yes, it was, fire. I had to put out a fire. So, you know, I got a little stressed and distracted, but you know, they, they diverted funds from state programs that were meant to help poor people, but who cares about them anyway? And right. then Tate Reeves, who was directly, I, he's not directly responsible for the thing with Brett Favre, although I have no doubt in my mind, he's connected to it somehow and knew about it. He's saying he literally said this during a speech a couple of days ago. I've got to tell you, it's a great day to be in Hattiesburg. It's also, as always, a great day to not be in Jackson. First of all, you fucking racist. Secondly, you are a criminal who is directly responsible. For the tragedy, the preventable tragedy unfolding in Jackson, and yet, what is going to happen to him? What he's going to get reelected? He's 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 going to get reelected. And there's no, there's no. Here's the thing: is that we watch these these stories unfold, and for five minutes of our attention, we say, we shake a finger. Oh my God! Look at how horrible. Meanwhile, that. Governor, that piece of shit had his own water tank in front of the governor's mansion, which is paid for out of those tax, out of his constituents' pockets in front of his own home. That man was not with even pretending to care because they don't have to anymore. They don't even have to pretend to put on, you know, the, the, the construction outfit and let me go and pass out water bottles because I'm pretending to give a shit about your vote. Right. Like we've moved past that. And without accountability, without the Department of Justice saying, you know what, all of you are going to be investigated for violating civil rights, for violating human rights, for trafficking, for endangering the public and well-being. Like if you're not going to hold anybody accountable, then the crimes, Mary, like you said, that they are become bigger and bigger and bigger. All of them just they become overwhelming. And then at some point when they're not prosecuted, they're no longer crimes. And it's just have, bad behavior. And then Danielle, you're back to Lebanon. What I, what I pointed out earlier, where they have to have, where the rich people have nice large cisterns of water. They have their own generators oh. and the poor people are fucked. And it, right. it is, I'm sorry, but the governor of, of Mississippi, that no good whiny piece of shit Shit in his own bed. I'm sorry, in person, but he's shit in his own bed by saying a good day not to be in Jackson. Hey, pal, it's your state. Yep, you're just shit all over yourself. I hope the people of Mississippi, those that are cogent and are registered to vote, remember that because the simple fact of the matter is he put himself above the people when he said that, and he was proud to do it. And that kind of yep. pride is dangerous. And by God, that is the problem with this democracy. If we don't clamp down on those type of, of politicians who and, and vote them out of office, that, you know, today is national get registered to vote day, register and vote and vote these sons of bitches out before we end up like Lebanon in 20 years. And none of us have water or electricity unless we're rich enough to have our own generators and water cisterns. That and was Brian, it, Brian, it's not ended. 20 years. It's not 20. That's the thing is that no, the I'm, timeline I, yeah. on all of this has no, just we'll get there sped soon. up. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll get there but in and, 20 years, it'll look just like Lebanon yeah, yeah. today. Yeah, and I'm not even sure it will take that long. But, you know, I I think the the one of the main messages we need to get across to people is that this is not about politics anymore. 
It just is not. I mean, how how is whether or not people have American citizens in 2022 have clean drinking water a political issue? Yeah, we're supposed how, to be the how, richest country and the and the and the shining example on the hill. You know, they have a class three warning to go to Beirut. You know, it's not safe there. You could get shot. You could get kidnapped. I'm going. No different than Memphis. In Mep- right. No exactly. Than Memphis. Right. It's fucking worse than places. It's worse in the United States. It's worse than a warning here. It's yeah. worse because it's accepted. It's normal in a lot of places. Like it's not like rogue people walking around with AK. Every anybody can walk around with a fucking AK forty seven. And, we and the other thing- shootings every day, mass shootings, part of the daily landscape. All right, don't get me started. About we're definitely going to talk about gun control one day, but right now I just can't. We don't have a lot of time left. I just wanted to to shift gears a little bit because another issue. Uh, that's related to all of this that also shouldn't be political is and uh, Danielle referred to the DOJ earlier, but like, why is it like some sheriff in some town in Texas? Bear County, the one, San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, and I know, I'm sure it's a jurisdiction issue, but like, I don't know, like, wouldn't wouldn't an attorney general of a state want, obviously it's Texas, so it's not going to happen. And this is the thing, we we have allowed for so long political people in jobs that shouldn't be political that's judges that's law enforcement and the trends have always been towards the right so it's like i have to confess i was shocked when i found out a sheriff in texas was going after a republican governor and i shouldn't have been we should be shocked that this guy is still in office and not you know having to hire attorneys and not having to resign and all of that other stuff so that's a little more progressive area of texas and the fact that you're right but it shouldn't matter right you're exactly right but the fact is that that what's scary about that is there's the high as you pointed out there's the highest guy in in texas to take a whack at him now granted it's one of the top largest cities and largest counties in texas Granted, it's more progressive, but why didn't the Secretary of State? Why didn't the Attorney General? Why didn't someone else step well, up? Well, we know why, but not yeah. Why? Because it's not a good answer. <laughs> the state of Texas used to watch all of the executions and cheer them on in Texas. That state has been reprehensible since Ann Richards left it. There has yep. not been a decent politician in the state level in Texas mm-hmm. since then. And nope. by God, they are probably one of the worst places ever to live. And God knows I live there. It's horrible. Sorry. <laughs> no, and it's it's only going to get worse, right? And, and I, you know, I don't know. Can a Democrat win a statewide wide race in Texas? They yeah, there are people. The problem with Texas is not that um, Democrats can't win. It's that they have in Texas, it's very hard to get a, a Texas Democrat across the state who can appeal to the wide variety of people that you have to, where it's very easy for the Republicans to scare the shit out of you in Texas. All they do yeah. is point at the border and go, they're coming. We got to run. And they'll scare the crap out of you. And they'll vote Republican every time, even even minorities, even women, even. But now with 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 what's happened this past year, I think there's a real chance for Texas to go back to the Ann Richards, Texas. She was the last good, successful Democrat in that state. And she did it by appealing across uh, across all kinds of divisions within that state. And she brought them together in a coalition. Very smart 
Yeah, oh, that seems like it was forever you know, ago. But you Texas know, is you a know very what, different place. We you know what I would just say? What, what, should, what should appeal to people in Texas is a governor that won't leave you out literally in the cold because the power grid <laughs> you fucking you right? <laughs> you know what should, well, what should yeah. have people, yeah, what should have people rally in Texas is not being left in 120 degree heat. And again, your power yeah. grid fail because your governors and your Republican politicians have privatized it. And I think right? you still right. have to pay just, your energy just, bills. Just a now. little idea. Just a little idea. I don't know what I guess I, I kind of want to do over. I, I want to rewrite the let's I think the next show we're gonna rewrite the constitution. And <laughs> uh you know we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna see what we can come up with so uh we don't have to keep dealing with a country in which more than half the states, I think it's 26 states, uh, just really, really, really want to take us back to 1960. In 1960. What am I kidding? 18, 1860. 18, Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. Well, we are going to leave it there. Uh, for today, I cannot wait to talk to you guys about uh, what's probably unfolding as we speak uh, with uh, these hearings in front of the special master. I think it's going to be fascinating. It might even be really funny, which would well, be good because we could use a little bit. I could use a little laugh. <laughs> yeah, we could totally do that. So, Danielle Moody, Brian. He's a master of his domain. I'll put it that way. Danielle Moody, Brian Karam. Dahlia Lithwick, whose book you need to go out and buy Lady Justice. It's phenomenal. Jen Taub, a reporter at large who just disappeared. And Dino Badala, thank you guys so much for being here. I will see you next Tuesday. Have fun. Bye. That was a very quick break. Uh, thank you all for being here today. It was so good to have you here. 49 days out from the midterm elections. And thank you, of course, to my Nerd Avengers and for all of your great comments. Uh, I was happy to see there weren't any racist trolls look at, lurking, at least as far as I could tell. Um, okay, so as I mentioned during the show, I have the great honor of having a one-on-one -on -one interview with Dahlia Lithwick. Um, who is phenomenal and who is also my friend, which makes me quite happy. <laughs> and uh, that is going to be Thursday, two days from now, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on YouTube.com slash Politicon. And then, of course, in a week on Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we will, the Nerd Avengers and I will reconvene. Also, youtube.com slash Politicon. Uh, and while you're on Politicon's YouTube page, please subscribe to Politicon's YouTube channel. It doesn't cost anything. It's just we really want to keep building our numbers. And you can like the episode and uh, leave a comment if you'd like. Um, also, click on this bell because this way you will be sure to be notified every time a new video drops. And um, I'm putting out some shorter videos. I just had one come out. A I don't remember when. A couple days ago, I guess. Anyway, please check that out as well. Uh, share links with uh, friends who might be interested in the show. And of course, you can, as always, listen to the show in podcast form on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And uh, it would be great if you could give us a five-star review, leave a comment. It really does help other people find the show. And that's the goal here. Um, Everybody I have on deserves to have a broader audience. Uh, And with 49 Days Out, we have a lot of a lot of people to inform, um, a lot of uh, people to convince, perhaps. So let's let's make this a full court press. That is it for today. I will see you uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.